Hey guys, producer Ken here with a very quick message before the show begins. Uh, in 2013, uh, I started working on a podcast with two of my very best friends, Paul and Ben. That show's called Jews and Reviews, and it's on the Atlantic Transmission Network. In fact, it's safe to say it's probably one of the inspirations for creating it in the first place. Well, four years ago, uh, one of the best men I know, Paul Cohen, you may know him as Paul Corey, hosted Jews and Reviews, uh, was unexpectedly admitted to the hospital. Uh, it was from there that he learned that his illness was due to a loss of function in his kidneys. Uh, right now, he's on dialysis three days a week, and the doctors have told him, hey, Paul, you know, try to live a normal life, which is very rough to do, you know, being on dialysis three days a week. Well, it turns out Paul is in need of a kidney transplant. So if you or anyone you know may be interested in learning more about becoming a living donor, please call the Living Donor Team at New York Weill Cornell at 212-746-3922. That's the Living Donor Team at New York Weill Cornell at 212-746-3922. Another way you can help is just spreading the message by sharing these links and giving it the hashtag Team Paul. That's T-E-A-M-P-A-U-L, standard spelling on Paul. We're certainly doing all we can to help a good man get through this, and we hope you'll join us. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Hey kids, it's that time again. It's Punkarama time. What you guys can't see is my guest Sal air guitaring all of the slides at the end of the riffs. Oh, now we. Well, there's Which no more. Are you playing? <laughs> kind of crazy stuff. That's going true. On anymore. But he's still going for it. <laughs> uh, so that track was called Shooting Star off this record. And we're going to get into a, a lot more of that a lot later. And by a lot, I mean a little. But uh, first, uh, I want to bring Sal on. So thanks for coming on, dude, on this really frigid night. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, so Sal, I know through a weird set of circumstances, I would say, or at least yeah. not weird, but uh, unique. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, my, I was in a band, uh, and we played a show with a band that he was in. Uh, called The Astounding, which, if you ask me, very presumptuous name. <laughs> However, uh, they were pretty fucking great. Like, I, ah, was, a, I was a truly a fan, and, uh, like, I would sing the songs as I was, like, on my own and stuff like that. Yes. Um, and then uh, that dissipated, and now he's doing his own stuff called No Nets, yep. which is pretty fa fantabulous, too. Well, have you ever thought about calling it The Astounding? The, like, this, like, No Nets, or... yeah. Nah, no, nah, it was a totally different thing. You I know? know, but just to like rub it in or something like that. <laughs> nah, that you, that's mean. That's mean. Okay. I know. I'm, I, you know, that was, we did some awesome stuff you there. You did, man. And that was, you know, that was that thing. Sure. And this is a different thing. Yeah. But yeah, the name actually, I think the name was based off of like, our singer was like looking at like, I think he was reading like Jurassic Park or something or Lost World. And like the cover said like, 
the astounding bestseller by Michael Crichton or something like that. And he was like, that's a good band name. And I remember we went through like 50, like we had a list of like 50 names and we're like, that's pretty good. Yeah, I that. totally thought that you were talking about No Nets up until oh, you no. brought up <laughs> the astounding. And I was like, well, you're not the lead singer? Like, I've seen you play live. No, yeah. I just lip sync <laughs> everything uh, live. and uh, The whole actually... <laughs> uh, Ashley Simpson thing. Oh, God. You just um, do a hoedown. You don't do enough hoedowns. <laughs> I don't. Uh, but John takes care of all that. Yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> the hoedown guy. Um, <laughs> go, go see No Nets live for... To get all of those inside references, yes. but anyway, um, we we I played with him, and then I had a my first podcast called "This World's an Ugly Place," which is also coming back, and uh, you just started fucking listening to that, and mm-hmm. then which was cool, and then we went to a Menzinger show together in yep. Bumblefuck, New Jersey, which yes. was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Dude, that was an amazing show. Amazing, I. So good. I truly couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, and now he sits here across from me today and brings me this record from an artist whom I don't know a lot about but would like to know about. Uh, what, what's the record? The record is From a Basement on the Hill by Elliot Smith. So um, as, I, as I said to Sal before, probably the biggest bummer in music history, Elliot Smith. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bummer dude in Not history. happy music. Unhappy music, unhappy dude, unhappy mm-hmm. life. Just like if you had to pick someone that encapsulates all that, maybe even more so than Morrissey because, hey, this dude went all the way in terms of the sadness stuff. Yeah, yeah. Morrissey was definitely sad, but sometimes when I listen to Morrissey like talk about why he was sad, I was just like, you're just sad because you're... Morrissey. <laughs> or maybe because you're Morrissey, yeah. yeah. It's just like in your blood or like you're just sad because you're gay. You yeah, know? And that yeah. wasn't accepted. But now right. you're like the most fabulous dude like on yeah. earth. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. I, so this record is, is, was brand new to me. I had it, but I, I never really gave it a good listen. And uh, again, Elliot Smith is, is someone that I don't know a lot about, but you know a good amount about. Not saying you're an expert, but... You know a good amount about. I've definitely, you know, been enamored with the sort of Elliot Smith legend and the music, and you know he's an incredible songwriter. And I've definitely read most of the books that are out, and you know tried to look at stuff on YouTube. And sure, he's just kind of he's sort of an enigma, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like I tend to really idolize dead rock stars. And do you? Yeah. Like so, who else? Joe Strummer. Sure. For example. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, but not necessarily rock stars that died tragically. Not to say that no, Joe Strummer's no. death wasn't a tragedy, but that was a condition he had since birth, the heart right. thing. Right. But, I mean, I, I, I was a Clash fan before uh, Joe Strummer died, but I mm-hmm. think there's something about, you know, when a musician that you really admire, like, when they're dead, there's just they just can't fuck it up anymore or anything. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. They can't, they can't disappoint you. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, so there's something kind of really cool about that, and you, you can kind of just kind of fill in a lot of the gaps with whatever you have in your head because that person's not around to answer that anymore. That's true. You're going to have to come back on and do a Mescalero's record with me because yeah, like, those are big that, for me. Um, okay, cool. But aside from that, okay, I wrote down everything I knew about Elliot Smith in this Elliot Smith knowledge dump, and I'm going to recite it to you. Did you say knowledge dome? Knowledge dump. Oh. You can call it a dome <laughs> if you want. Dome. It's contained in a very small dome because it's not <laughs> that much. So I know he killed himself, which yep. isn't entirely it's, true, apparently. Well, it's hotly debated. Right. Uh, I guess like the way like Kurt Cobain killed himself, it's kind of debated. Uh, maybe, maybe even... 
that's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, okay. It's his song that Gwyneth Paltrow slits her wrist to in the Royal Tenenbaums. Is that even right? Uh, that um, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow. It's uh, oh shit, you're right. It's uh, Luke uh, Wilson. Luke Wilson. Right, right, right. Needle in the hay. Needle yeah. in the hay. Okay. Which is uh, yeah, it's a good. That's song. okay. So I got some of that right. That's right. He was in Heat Miser. Yes, he was in Heat Miser. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, people love this dude, which is more mm -hmm. of just a general thing. They, but they really love him. Like he is, he's in this group of artists that like I truly, truly wish I loved. Like I have, it's the same thing with food for me. Like I have a very like specific, not specific, but like a palate that likes rich things, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I wish I liked everything. I don't like seafood. I don't like vegetables mm. or fruit. But I okay. wish I liked all that stuff because, like, why the fuck wouldn't I? Like, <laughs> all no of sense. it seems so enjoyable. People <laughs> love lobster, you know? Right. Like, I would love to love lobster as much as them. I don't love lobster either. You don't? I'm with you on that. I mean, it's good, but it's it just kind of tastes like butter <coughs> at best. You know? Is it just a carrier for that? Because I know it's that's a what carrier people fucking for butter. Eat yeah. All right, that's fair. You know, but maybe like, I just haven't had amazing lobster. But I'm sushi, not how's that? I do like sushi. Okay, so people, it's the same thing with that. People love sushi. They swear mm -hmm. by it, and I just, I just don't like. But I, I don't like it. But I wish I did. So yeah. Elliot Smith is on this list with, with bands musical like musical sushi, musical sushi, exactly. <laughs> uh, with Neutral Milk Hotel. Okay. I fucking wish I loved Neutral Milk Hotel as much as people love Neutral Milk Hotel, and I've heard them and I've listened to them, but yeah. just it hasn't clicked yet. Mm. I guess I'm gonna put Arcade Fire on that list oh, too. Dude. A lot of classic rock yeah. bands, like like, all, not all of them, but mm -hmm. some of them, and I'm I'm going to I guess add Radiohead to that list. Okay, where like Radiohead was like a big source of contention with me, where I was just like I get it, but I'm like I don't think this is mm. this is this is whatever. This is like this is like this is like art rock for people who don't want to like go and seek out art rock. But uh, I've recently yeah. gone back on that, okay. and I get like more of their stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's just not something I can't get into. But I wish I did. Because people fucking love it so much. Yeah, they took me a, lo a long time to get, and then the reason I think I got them was I just went back and listened to the Benz, which, which is, is like more of a rock and roll record, guitar, right? Rock yeah, album, right. and that just kind of like blew everything wide open for me. And now I love everything by them. So I would highly recommend giving that album the Benz another shot. I'll give yeah. them another shot. It's it's I do this. I I, I revisit a lot of this stuff. Every few years, because your tastes change and all that mm. stuff. It's the same, I do the same thing with food. Absolutely. And But the one thing that I can say from listening to this record is that it seems to be a big influence on a band I, I absolutely love, Jimmy Eat World. Like, it seems like mm. like a lot of his stuff, especially the early Jimmy Eat World stuff, yeah. like, builds oh, totally. so much on I this. I could see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, There's that one Jimmy World lyric, too, that's like something about your favorite Heat Miser song or uh, something, right? I pick up and down the phone like your favorite Heat, Heat Miser, Miser song, song goes. goes. Yeah. Uh, that's from Kill, ladies and gentlemen. That's off uh, Futures, Futures right? And he also yeah. does a cover of uh, Half Right. They oh, do really? a cover of Half Right, which is pretty huh. good. I didn't know that. Um, cool. Yeah. So... What else, what else should I know about Elliot Smith? Um, well, uh, the whole suicide thing is very interesting. I mean, I don't know if we want to start on a dark note, but there's so much that you can look into and read there. Um, so many, a variety of different opinions. Um, but maybe we should focus on some happier stuff. What is the happiest thing that you can focus well, on? Well, so I think, I think a thing a lot of people don't know about Elliot um, which obviously I don't either because I'm just reciting this off of the internet. But you're on uh, a first so name basis with him. <laughs> uh, 
Apparently he was like a really like funny dude and like okay. just kind of a jovial spirit to be around a lot of the time. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah, it makes seems... no sense from, you know, what you would think of his uh his music and stuff. But right. like he would, you know, frequently like apparently like he was like an awesome dancer and just like <sighs> just like dance like just crack people up all the time and stuff and so he would joke dance like kind of yeah by making people laugh mm-hmm. but i guess still like dancing is not something i would see him doing or enjoying you know yeah like seems like he would embody like the total wallflower like, right type, type yeah deal. yeah yeah um yeah the, why, why do you think people okay so this is me coming from a little bit of a skeptic side of things mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question. Why do you think people love him? Here's why I think a lot of people might like him because he's dead and mm-hmm. he is this uh, brooding sort of deep g- guy. And mm-hmm. he's somebody that people can latch onto and sort of like say that to them. I'm not saying that everyone across the board does that, but like a lot of my skepticism on this dude's uh, um, status, mm-hmm. I kind of, I guess a little bit lays in that, but like why mm-hmm. do you think so many people like are like look so highly on him i'll start with sort of why i yeah yeah. feel why i sort of latched on and why i you know really love everything that he's done pretty much um half of it is what you said is really the sort of brooding kind of thing so for me like the the artists that i tend to latch on to and like the most are when there's you know some real stuff in there in the lyrics you know like Mm -hmm. just some like you know dark stuff or just deep stuff you know like there's a lot behind everything that he's saying and mm-hmm. there's a lot of pain there and there's a lot to interpret there's also like you know some optimistic and happier moments if you really look for them but what is it about his specific brand of like of darkness and pain that you dig so, so much what is it about that <clears throat> What it is, I think, for me, is that that is juxtaposed with some of the most, like, beautifully arranged songs. Yes, I absolutely got that. Yes, yes, yes. Like, you know, the chord progressions, like, you know, I think where I really started to really get, like, I liked L.A. Smith a lot in high school, like, towards the end of high school. Uh, Me and my friend Pete uh, (coughs) kind of discovered him at at the same time, and then we had this kind of pact going where, like, we would both get uh the same Elliot Smith record at the same time and would listen to it and like one of us couldn't move on to the next record until like we both owned the oh, same that's record. Cool. Is that how you got into him? Like through yeah. your friend? Like uh, did you guys have old somebody's older brother or like an older friend get you into it? Actually the way that so there was this kid in my art class, uh Matt Awai, who was like just really steeped in like the all like a lot of like classic rock and like he just like, you know, was really plugged into all that and like singer songwriter stuff. And mm-hmm. he mentioned Elliot Smith to me. And so I went home and downloaded some stuff off Kazaa. Sure. And I got, I found, um, I think I had Say Yes and Miss Misery. And Miss Misery is kind of the song that like catapulted him to fame. Uh, he performed that on the Oscars. It was written for Goodwill Hunting. Oh, so I get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Say Yes is like, probably his most known song i would say and they're both kind of from the same era which is the either or era when he was doing you know his earlier era which was like pretty much mostly acoustic stuff right okay um and i liked those songs didn't really like love them or anything like although now they're two of my favorite songs but i didn't quite get it you know at that time then i was dating this girl from portland who was like super into elliot smith and 
we kind of had like we were kind of competing on like who could like who knew more music you know kind of thing sure you know i was like whatever like 15 years old mm-hmm. so like whatever uh <laughs> and i was into mostly like warp tour bands and stuff like that and she was into all the cool portland indie stuff like she showed me death cab right like, which is which is how i feel like, yeah generally but uh and uh so <laughs> You know, she told me about Elliot Smith, and, or she, like I found I knew Elliot Smith, but then she was like, "Oh my God, Elliot Smith, Elliot Smith!" And then like what he did, died, oh, like shortly after. Oh, okay. And so you know that was kind of a big deal, right? And I remember being in English class and hearing about that, and it was like, "What? Whoa. Yeah, you heard about it in English class, yeah. like as if mm-hmm. it was fucking nine eleven? Yeah, this dude who sat in front of me, who was like uh, this kid. Uh, Ruben, who was really into like Bright Eyes and Elliot Smith and uh, stuff, was like, "Dude, Elliot Smith died," and I was like, "Whoa, I don't really know him that well, but that still sucks." And then he told me the whole thing, yeah, and like I was like really fascinated by it. And then From a Basement on a Hill came out shortly after, and right. I went and bought that. And you know, I was talking to my then girlfriend on the phone, and she was like, "Oh my god, you! Why did you buy that record? Like, you can't listen to that record. Like, you have to start with the, the early stuff when it was acoustic. Like, you can't start with that. That's his last album. Blah blah blah." And like me being a fucking idiot, I was like, "Okay, like maybe I'll wait until I get the other records." Uh, but then it just so happened that Pete happened to buy from a basement on a hill too, mm-hmm. and like he was like, "Dude, I just got this record, and it's amazing." Mm-hmm. And like at that point, me and Pete were on like very similar musical trajectory right so he, he was like you gotta listen to it and i was like well i already have it so i might as well <laughs> listen to it so that was the first album that i really this was the first album by him that i really oh. got into and i actually like you know i started listening to it for about two weeks and i bought it either or immediately after that and i sort of listened to both of them concurrently okay um, <laughs> so it was really those two but it was really this this one is still my favorite by him actually um, interesting but uh, I think your question was why <laughs> is he so appealing? And what what is so people people like mm-hmm. uh, dark brooding things? Yeah. you know a certain certain you know uh, subset of people like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that out there. So yeah. what is it about his particular brand mm-hmm. of that darkness and of that? Uh, that sadness that people like, or that you think at least is special. You don't have to talk for mm-hmm. everyone, but you could speak for yourself. Yeah. Like what, 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 what's, what sets his sad stuff apart from other people's sad stuff? I think, I think a lot of it is the, the instrumentation, you know? Sure. Um, and as I've become a musician, I've grown to appreciate that even more. And that's kind of just further cemented this guy as like just one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Um, you know, because it's it's very Beatlesque at times in the arrangements. You know, gigantic note I had that we'll get to a little bit later. But yeah, like when I listen to this record, let's fucking get to it now. Yeah, it it sounds like a fucking Beatles record. Absolutely, like, so yeah. like the the instrumentation of it, like the production. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's this it's you it's like a big wall of sound type thing. Yep. Uh, the vocals, the way they're layered, mm-hmm. it, it sounds exactly like McCartney and. I'll, I'll say it now, but we'll even get back to it later. Is this song uh, "Memory Lane"? It sounds oh, yeah. like just like a like a like a McCartney Tin Pan Alley like yeah. type song. Totally, man. It's insane how much it sounds like the beat. I had no clue. Yeah. Is is this so? That's this record. Yeah. Is does would you say this goes for like either or and in his other records as well? Um, I think. Maybe Either not the production or maybe so much. not. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, there's certainly some tendencies there. You know, I think he used um, harmonies in similar ways. 
the chord progressions, you know, especially like a lot of the Le- John Lennon stuff has very complex chord progressions and movements and things that Elliot uh, does also. But in particular, I feel like from when he sort of went quote unquote full band with XO, which was the album after Either Or, from that run, XO, Figure Eight, From a Basement on a Hill, I feel like that's his most Beatly stuff. Mm. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, it's where he just got a real producer and like started. Not that, not to say that Larry Crane is not a real producer, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he started working with Rob Schnapp, and like they just started like pumping up that, like you said, the wall of sound kind of thing. Yeah, uh, lots and of layers. He's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. said, I think he wanted from a basement on a hill to be like his quote unquote white album or something. I remember really him saying, like because when here's another thing that I guess I didn't write down, but I expected from Elliot Smith was this like. I guess I guess the song that I know best of him is Needle in the Hay. That's the name of the track, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I expected this very sparse sound. Yep. Because Elliot Smith is like, he's one dude. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not a band. Yep. And like, he's always presented as just this guy. So I was picturing this very stripped down thing. So when I got this big sounding thing, it was, it was you know, it reminded me of Bright Eyes a little bit, yeah. like in the sense mm-hmm. that like Bright Eyes is one dude, is Connor, right. but like he has these big sort of operatic things and, and stuff like that. So may, maybe not really musically did it remind me of that, but thematically, yeah. yeah, or spirit, like in the spirit of almost, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, there, that's another part of what's alluring about him is that there, in my mind, are really two sort of phases of his career. And the first is, you know, when he was living in Portland, making these really paper thin kind of records that were, you know, either recorded in sort of a, I can't think the name of the studio was Jackpot, where he worked with Larry Crane, which was kind of like... That's the name of a record store out there. Yeah, I might be right, I might be wrong. I don't know, you have to check that. But uh, anyway, a lot of that stuff was like, you know, his first album was recorded on a four track, you know, like, so... Right, which is what I picture his Right, exactly. And I think a lot of people, honestly, think that that is the best, like, Elliot Smith. They would say that Either Or is the apex and Either Or is the last album that came out of that sort of part of his career. Sure. Uh, And then there's the whole second half, which... Honestly, unpopular opinion, I think is better um, because I'm a real sucker for like maximalist stuff. Like I love Arcade Fire. Mm. I just love the theatrical. Like if you can pull that off well, it's extremely hard to do that. I mean, you have fucking bands like Imagine Dragons who are quote unquote theatrical, but they're making terrible music, right? It's just like bombast, you know? Yeah. Um, And then there's like, you know, the Elliot Smiths of the world who made these records that sound so big, but like everything feels in place and nothing feels like it's just there for the sake of being there. Like it's contrived. Right. Yeah. It seems not more natural. So, sure. so that's, you know, that's what I love about it. Um, that's a big thing. What I love about him is like, uh, he was able to kind of do that, you know, massive, massive production <laughs> stuff, mm-hmm. um, but still make it sound really just awesome and there's so much subtlety there you know do you remember how what was your buddy's name what was his first name that you would you had this Elliot Smith thing with Pete Pete so do you remember like you don't have to give me verbatim but like do you remember the language you would talk about Elliot Smith with because obviously you not to say that you weren't I'm sure you were playing music but you're a much more seasoned musician now Mm -hmm. do you remember like the language like you guys would use to just like talk about his stuff or even how your girlfriend at the time sold 
like Elliot Smith to you? Was it just superlatives? Like this guy's amazing. He's the mm -hmm. best stuff like that. Like, do you, do you remember like any specifics? Yeah. I mean, so at that point I was not a music. I mean, I played drums in like a terrible punk band. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a bunch of them. One of them was called restricted rights, <laughs> which was a political punk band. We listened to anti flag and all of a sudden we thought we knew about politics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to talk about some anti-flag records sometime. We'll get they, to they that. They have some shit on Epitaph, right? Uh, don't Underground Network, that. maybe that was on Epitaph? We'll check it out. I think no, that's they, on Fat Rec. Which is not Epitaph. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, Pete was in that band, too. He was the singer. Um, but So, you know, I didn't know anything that was going on musically. Like, you know, I couldn't tell you what a chord progression was. Mm. I couldn't tell you what production was. To me, it was just like... I don't know. It was just a feeling thing. You right. Know? Cause you're a drummer and I, I started off as a drummer too. And right. that's everything that it was mm -hmm. like, it was so little about, uh, about any kind of, uh, like any kind of theory really. Mm -hmm. And right. it really was just feeling. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And especially coming from at that point, you know, I was listening to like punk bands, like warp tour punk bands and like, you know, classic punk bands and, I remember like at that time, like pretty much the only thing that I liked that came out after 1980 was like, or like 1985 was like no effects, mm -hmm. you know, like, and like strike anywhere and stuff like that. And like taking back Sunday, you know? Yeah. Um, but so like, I don't know. I feel like there is like a something punk about Elliot Smith too, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, so you were, you were asking about the feeling. Sorry, the the language there. that the you language guys, like, how would you guys like talk about him and describe him? Right. Um, you know, with, I, I think that we were just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember the specific words, but what I do remember is like, you know, we would always like meet up and go to Dunkin' Donuts and then just like drive around for like an hour or two hours aimlessly because mm -hmm. we had just gotten our license and we were like listening to Elliot Smith that's records the fucking or thing like to do. Yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to death cab records or yeah. whatever. And I feel like what well, part of what was so like interesting and appealing about that stuff hitting at that particular time in my life was like, again, I was listening to like, you know, strike anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like not to say that strike anywhere isn't awesome because mm -hmm. they are, but for a completely different reason, you're hearing something like, Death Cab or Elliot Smith, and I'm using these bands concurrently because, uh, you know, similar times. I found them sure. at similar times. Um, all of a sudden, here's something that, like, is hitting on sort of, like, the rock guitar levels that, like, a punk band's hitting, but there's all of a sudden, like, there's emotion, which previously I thought of emotion as something negative, as something that's, like, in pop punk or, you know... Not that I didn't love pop punk, but I was like, I thought that I was getting over that at that point because I was like, I'm 16 and I don't like, okay. you know, Newfound Glory anymore. That's sure. lame, you know? So I had sort of had negative associations with emotion, quote unquote, because so, it was such a, ju it was so expressed in a juvenile way in a lot of the music I was listening to before. Okay. Then all of a sudden, here's this new music that is so emotional and it's, it's you know, I'm starting to kind of come onto the cusp of like, quote unquote, adult emotions or whatever, you know? And like, here it is back in the music. Mm -hmm. And it's like, in a way that I've never heard before that just seems so authentic and is like, holy fuck, there's so much to think about here listening to this. So did you think like the emo stuff you were into, like you were getting, you were getting over it, yeah. right? Uh, 
not not to, not anything against the music, but that's just where you were in your life. Yeah. You were getting over it. And did you think like, at, at, to some extent, like that emotion was like disingenuous, and that he was more genuine in his emotion, or like yes. it was just a different? Oh, so it was. Absolutely. It wasn't that it was different kind. You thought that mm-hmm. it was. There was something disingenuous about that, and this was more real. This was more sincere. Yeah, it just felt more sincere. And 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 interesting. Maybe it wasn't all disingenuous stuff. I mean, like you know. Probably another one of my favorite bands at that time, still one of my favorite bands, was um, No Effects, mm-hmm. you know, and like a lot of their songs are joke songs, you yes. know. Um, I also, my other favorite band at that time, which is still probably my number one, is Against Me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a lot of emotion there, but that was kind of more, you know, outward political type stuff. And, right. you know, um, so. It was a different kind of emotion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, although if you go back and listen to it against me, you can see that a lot of it is actually internal stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Uh, but anyway, it's so discussion. Right, right, right. But I mean, it, it's like the thing that, like, I will say aside, like that. No effect speaking emotionally and and against me. You know, at least on the surface, they're, they're speaking about you know, sort of outward things, like political mm-hmm. things or societal things. Right. Whereas like Tiggy Mac Sunday and let's bring it to Elliot Smith, that's more internal, right. you know? So, but it was, you know, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love taking back Sunday, a couple of their records mm-hmm. and they have a very special place in my heart. But you know, at that time, and it, it is, it's it, like some of the lyrics are kind of like, uh, it's like cringeworthy a little mm-hmm. bit, you know? Uh, even at that time, I had. Like, uh, why are you singing about guns so much, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> because well, it, because well, and this is what I like about like stuff like that. Yeah, is it's overly dramatic, mm-hmm. and but yeah. I think that they're conscious of that, you know. Yeah, and that I I, yes. I appreciate. But, I totally get that now. Right, you, you get know? that now, but maybe you, but then you th- okay. Yeah, <laughs> here's something. That I, this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but going off that, I thought about yesterday. So I was listening to some like older say anything stuff. Oh yeah, and I thought and I thought about and I just listened to a podcast that was talking about American Beauty, mm-hmm. Sam Mendes movie. Yeah, you remember it? Yes. Um, and they were just tearing it apart, you know. Oh, really? But when when that movie came out and we were that age, like. That was like the deepest thing Absolutely. in the fucking world, and you know what? Maybe a lot of America thought about that, thought like that too. Yeah. But especially us at that age, like that was like this this artsy movie, mm-hmm. you know? That was like this is this is society in a nutshell, right? And like exactly. this is this is emotion, and like this, this this old guy kisses this other old guy, you know? <laughs> the bag, and, yeah, the bag. <laughs> and then I listened to this podcast of them like tearing it apart, like uh-huh. how it's all so trite and everything like that, and I was like. You know, I, I I was like, I guess I just really drank the Kool Aid on that, yeah. which I haven't gone back and, and watched. But then I was listening to Say Anything yesterday, and I love Say Anything. I love Max Bemis. Mm-hmm. I love Max Bemis's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, which album were you listening to? Oh man, it was like uh, a bunch of them, like okay. uh, Minor Majora, and like uh, like none of the major release stuff. Okay, cool. cool. Um, I was like catching up on the older stuff, and then I was thinking about like. Is a real boy, mm. and I was thinking about admit it at the end, and I was like, man, oh man, I fucking drank the Kool Aid so <laughs> hard with that, you know? Yeah, like, dude. I was like, this is everything. Oh, me this too, fucking man. Song, you know? Me too. It is eloquent me and too. pissy, and it's like it's a punch, it's a punch through the wall, but it's with a pen, you know? Right, exactly. And all this shit, and now like Absolutely, listening dude. to it now, it's I just love like, that fucking. It's song. just like, ugh, like I, I appreciate it still for yeah. especially what it was. But like if that came out now, 
I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I have the context of that song. And I'm like, right. it's already been done. But like listening yeah. to that now, I'm just like, oh, it's a little on the nose, you know? It is, dude. <laughs> it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I like just listened to that song for the first time since like, I don't even know when, about like a week ago, walking home from work. And I felt the same way. I was like, when I heard this, this was like literally, and this was about the same time I started getting into Elliott Smith, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so this is all, and same thing with American Beauty, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. There's something about like being on the verge of like, you know, like senior year of high school. Being like, in like there's the just end so, of adolescence. so many new things you're discovering, you know? Uh, and, uh, but I was like, fuck, man, admit it. Like, and I still, I still sang every word. Like I was walking oh, yeah. home and I mouthed every word, you know, and I still felt chills at all the moments that I still felt chills. But like, I was like, oh my God, the lyrics to this, you know, but I think, I think Max has said specifically like, you know, the hypocrisy that like, there's a self-aware hypocrisy happening mm-hmm. there. So well, like he's singing this song to himself, right? Isn't exactly, because that's what he reveals it right. to me. Yeah. But the thing, the other thing that did that goddamn song in for me was he made like a part two to it. You know? Oh, that's like, for, oh, why would that he song, do dude. that? He's so smart. I know. Why would he do that? I I can I think I know why he did that. Why? So uh, when that record came out, that's the only say anything record that actually I haven't listened to the new one either. But um, that was Anarchy, my dear. That yeah. record. So when that record, that was like the end of me liking say anything. Um, but. Uh, he, I remember when that record came out, it was all over Absolute Punk where he would always be like tweeting, being like, this record feels like is a real boy, is a real boy this, is oh, a real boy no. that. And everyone was like, oh You're my God, is a real boy. It. And I think he was just like, I'm going to fucking call this admitted part two so I can, and maybe it was, maybe he's just fucking pulling the wool over our eyes and he was just joking with us. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to think that because I still want to like him. Yeah, know? dude, I still respect the shit out of that guy because honestly, like is a real boy is another one of those records. That's just like so instrumental for me. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I will. You know, I, that incredible. Incredible. Will hold, forever hold that place in my heart. And that's one of those things where I'm willing to like overlook the contrived nature of some of the lyrics sure. and you know, like I was listening to, um, like Little Girls, for example. Do you mm-hmm. know that song? I kill, Kill, Kill. Yeah, and I was like, oh, man, like this is, okay, I know this is like very tongue-in-cheek and he's joking about it, but no. it's still like, whoa. And then like, you know, wow, I can get sexual too. I'm like, oh, man, this is just right. like, <laughs> okay, it's a bit much, but I still love it and it has such a special place in my heart. And musically, it's still really awesome. I'm still into it too. So, yeah. But that's the end of our Say Anything <laughs> Yeah, that's a mini, mini soda. Uh, stay tuned for... Uh, oh. for uh, Sal and I's side podcast, uh, Two Real Boys. <laughs> That's awesome. um, but getting back to this record, so yeah. this came out. This came out on Anti Records, mm-hmm. which is not direct Epitaph, but yeah. it's an Epitaph sister label. So this is in the same realm as uh, Burning Heart Records, which is a Swedish Swedish label. Millencolin. Millencolin. Yeah, for. and we covered a Millencolin record. Uh, Turbinegro is on that. Is on mm-hmm. that label. The Hives, oh, International Noise Conspiracy, Refused is on there. Um, Fat Possums, another sister label that they just do like Mississippi blues artists. Yeah, did you know that? I remember uh, Color Revolt was on there, who was really good, and oh, there really? was another band on there that I I liked. It's his names are escaping me now. Anyway, so but that's stuff I got to check out yeah. because like the whole point of this podcast is to it's a little bit self indulgent and it's like 
me wanting just to talk about music and like giving myself a reason to like listen to critically about stuff, but also to discover new things. And this yeah. record being one of them, but now I'm going to go check out Fat Possum and see mm -hmm. what's on there. Uh, of course, Hellcat, Tim Armstrong's yep. label's on there, and Heart and Skull, which is Alkaline Trio's label. Oh, I didn't even know they had a label. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a band that I totally missed out on. Really? Yep. Oh man, that's everyone's weird. like looks at my musical taste and is like, you would you love that's Alkaline Trio, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, no, never got into them. I found them to be just maybe I just I didn't actually listen to them till later on, like probably till late high school, and I was like, this is fucking lame. Sorry, man, I don't get it. Well, um, now that Matt's in Blink, we'll see how, we'll <laughs> see how that all goes. But if you have an album that you can recommend me to listen to, I would be open to listening to it. Because It'll probably be like songs. I'll make you a playlist because okay. it's only gonna be a yeah, whole album. Please do. Um, so this record comes out in 2004, right? In October. And this is like a year after his death. Mm -hmm. So he was recording what was going to be a double record, uh, for, um, DreamWorks, which is now Interscope, yeah. but it was incomplete at the time of his death. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason or another, it came out on anti. I didn't really seek too much. Into yeah. That. I'm not sure how that happened exactly. Um, how he was released from the contract, but the reason why he was making a double record was to get released. Right. Right. To contract. get out of that. Uh, this is his sixth and final studio record. It was recorded between 2002, 2003, of course, released posthumously on, mm -hmm. uh, anti, as we said, and, uh, Domino records out in Europe. Um, so this was also re-released uh, by Killer Rockstars, along with a remastered issue of Roman Candle, mm -hmm. uh, which was his debut, and produced, as you said before, by Rob Schnapf. Yeah, so this record uh, from A Basement on the Hill is kind of a bit confusing in terms of the production story. Yeah, that's what I was reading. Yeah. Well, why don't you go into what you know about it? So it's my understanding that um, it's not actually, it wasn't actually really produced um, by Rob Schnoff. No, this dude, David McConnell, David was there McConnell. for most of the yeah. recording process. Yeah. Right. Um, who, yeah, Elliot like went out to wherever he was living in LA or maybe it was north of LA, I don't know. Um, and they recorded that whole thing together. But he's been quoted as saying like, uh, Elliot was like on suicide watch the whole time. Oh, really? For the whole record, yeah. He would like... Sp like do like a thousand dollars worth of like heroin and crack in like an hour and then like at one point he like spent a shitload of his money on ice cream and stuff like he was just <laughs> doing like wacky stuff towards the beginning of the sure. process not that any amount of heroin and crack is good but is a thousand dollars a lot yeah i'm sure it? it was okay. a bit of an exaggeration you're the rock star so i mean no oh <laughs> you're asking me do i know if that is a lot i have no idea i don't know either but it seems like it seems lot, like it'd be a lot right? yeah i mean isn't crack Some, supposed to be really cheap? someone who's like super <laughs> hip to drugs is gonna like listen yeah. to this talking to these fucking no. rubes like, that's nothing. <laughs> yeah. um uh but yeah so but Rob Schnapp, um, I think, mixed it or kind of did the final mix. Yeah, so he did the yeah. final mix because uh, the estate, after he died, the Smith estate had control of everything. Right. And so they brought in uh, this ex-girlfriend of his. Uh, Joanna. Balm or Balmy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Rob Schnapp to come in and sort through all the stuff and uh, sort of pick out everything, even though the estate had like final final say in what was actually going to make the record mm. um they're the ones that kind of picked everything out um so a lot of them a lot of the songs are unfinished uh and there's in some cases are the lacking vocals uh it's the highest charting album in the u.s hit oh, 19 that's interesting i yeah. know that uh and of course praised by critics and reviewers complimenting the album's attempts to expand smith's sound mm. um so 
I have a few questions for you before sure. we really dive into this, dive into track by track. So what is this place in the canon of his records? Now, you kind of said that his career split into two pieces, like, mm -hmm. like kind of like Dylan's almost, like pre-electric and post-electric. So mm -hmm. this is like kind of the same way, like pre-band and post-band. Is, right. is that right? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, some of his uh, earlier records do have some full band arrangements mm -hmm. on there, but they're much more stripped down in comparison to what's happening, especially on this record. Right. And you said this is your favorite. Of, it's of my personal records. favorite. Um, at this time, yeah. Interesting. Because the reason that's interesting is because that this album, you know, ostensibly is the one he had the least to do with, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. That it was in the hands of other people. And uh, what's it called? Honestly, though, I fucking love Rob Schnapp as a producer. What else has he done? I didn't, I didn't um, even write it down on here. He's done a here. ton of stuff, man. Do you, uh, do you know anything off him? Not to put you on the spot. Yeah, uh, he's done um, Honorary Titles, mm. uh, Second Record, uh, a lot of Kevin Devine stuff. Oh, awesome. Uh, Sam's Town by The Killers. Um, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good album. Um, what else has he done? I, f I honestly, like, I should know this because... I, I put you on the spot. I, I put you on the spot. Well, you put it out there. <laughs> yeah, right. It's in the universe now. It's in the universe. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't remember anything else offhand, but like, just he makes fucking great sounding, like, mm. good rock, like rock records. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm um, a big. Uh, that's I didn't know he worked with Kevin Devine, and I'm a big. Oh yeah, put your ghost to rest. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's okay. Which is my favorite Kevin Devine album. I think Split the Country is my favorite. Split the Country. Yeah, yeah that's a great. Uh, record too. But you I'm a big dev head. Divine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think he did uh, Between the Concrete and Clouds and on the new two records, Bulldozer and Bubblegum, yeah. he did uh, Bulldozer is the one with Little Bulldozer on it, right? I think so. I need you closer. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever one is the poppier one, that's the one Rob Schnaff did. I see. Yeah. The other one was done by Jesse Lacey from Brand New. That's right. Yeah. I did know that. Uh, Jesse, if you're listening, let's let's get you on the show. <laughs> um, or anybody, anybody we've mentioned, Kevin. Fucking, if you're listening, let's get you on the show. I'm from Staten Island. You're from Staten Island. We've got a, we've Boom. got a. Yeah. There it is. Um, so people view this record as a suicide note. Mm. You know, do do you think so? Like, do you like like hasn't all, all his stuff always been like uh, very sort of dark and depressing mm -hmm. and bringing up these these themes? Yes. And. You know, it's easy for people to say after he fucking died, like, oh, this was a cry for help or this right, was his right, goodbye. Right. What do you think? You as Sal. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, there's always been a lot of dark themes in there. And like, you know, he's always saying about drug abuse and alcohol abuse and, you know, suicide and just dark shit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but he says that like it sort of seems to be known that he wasn't actually using drugs to um, on a lot of the earlier stuff, like when he wrote Needle in the Hay, which is about a heroin addict. At that point, you know, he was, the, he was the official word is that he was not abused. He was not, he had never touched drugs at that point. Okay. He was just uh, an alcoholic, I think, maybe. And apparently during this record, he was clean too, because he was going to... Uh, towards the end, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so mm -hmm. towards the end of yeah. recording, he got clean and he was, okay. I, from what I understand, he was kind of like an all or nothing kind of dude. Like, mm. he was like, I think towards the end of this record, he was just like, fuck it, I'm quitting everything. And like, quit all the hard drugs and then like shortly after just tried to quit all of the you know menagerie of prescription drugs he was on not even that i read he was off caffeine he yeah. was off like tobacco he was like, off, sugar. like all of that stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 um so yeah i mean is it a suicide note you said um, do you think it's a suicide note 
Like, or like, yeah, or what are your thoughts on that? I mean, there know? are some songs on there, really, that I just listen to and I just can't help thinking that... I don't want to say a cry for help because I think that his stuff is very self-aware and I just don't see him as trying to be... as, like, making anything that is that, like, sort of veiled in... Um, I don't know what the word is, but like too, it seems too passive for me for him to be like, I need hmm. help, you know, like because I think a lot of his music too is is um, his lyrics are kind of directed, especially on albums before this, at people who are trying to intervene with him or try to help him. And it's oh, like, really, dude? Like back the fuck off! Like I appreciate it, but honestly, at the end of the day, the only person who can change me is me, and I think that's something that I hear wow. a lot in his lyrics. Um, so I don't think it's a cry for help. Mm-hmm. I think it is probably him putting down these very real things that he was feeling, mm-hmm. you know? Like the song um, A Fond Farewell, for example, is one that always sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a heart-wrenchingly beautiful song, and it's clearly about suicide. And a lot of people are, you know, I think when they hear that song, are like, oh, my God, this is a suicide note, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That almost feels a little too easy. You know, yeah, me. and it's it, it almost is like a really cliche thing. And you've also yeah. read you you said you've read the books, so I've got three down here. There's torment, uh, torment, torment saint. saint, yeah, which is biography that came out. Uh, Twenty fifteen. I haven't read that one actually. Heaven adores you I've as a documentary. That. I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, and then there's uh, Elliot Smith by Autumn DeWild, which is apparently just a collection of like photos, photos. and memorabilia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then there's uh, oh, is there another one? Elliot Smith and the Big Nothing, I think it's called. I don't think I even Which saw was that one, one of the ones that came out like right after he died, and I think it was like unauthorized or something. I oh, read okay. that one also, um, but I think that one's kind of like people are like eh, on that one. Sure. <laughs> All uh, right. So let's let's bust into the track by track for this. So sure. This record opens up with Coast to Coast. Yeah. So there's a slow fade in with this, and then. One of my notes on this is, what's with the prose recitation that's at the end? Ah, um, so I I know what the actual story is behind that, but it, yeah, I mean, can can we just talk about how fucking awesome this opening is? I'm, with the I'm snare hit? jumped like, way too fucking forward. Shit, I'm sorry dude. about that. It's okay. It's all good. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's hear breathe a little hit. bit. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> This jumps in, right? Yep. And you have, you know, this this very slow buildup, mm-hmm. and then you have all these drums come in that are very distorted, mm-hmm. and you have this menagerie of that's probably not the right word. This this collection of all of these like auxiliary stringed instruments. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there, it sounds like there's a mandolin in there. Yeah, just layers <laughs> upon layers. Yeah, and you have this layered vocal, which sounds. This this sounds like like if you could get a filter, if you can get a Pro Tools filter to like give you uh, uh, fuck, 
what's the Sergeant Pepper's yeah. sound? <laughs> yeah, like the I, Sergeant Pepper button. <laughs> yeah, it truly blew me away. Yeah. How much like it? It sounds like that, you know? Um, totally, man. It's something else, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot. I think it's interesting. This so this song wasn't supposed to. It was not supposed to be the first song on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Shooting star was supposed to be right. But I think this is a fucking awesome opening song. I think it's probably a better opener than Shooting Star. Uh, you know, Elliot as Elliot rolls over in his grave. But uh, yeah, um, it would be rough to to put this in the middle of a record with yeah, that build with the up. Build up, you know? exactly. Like yeah. it almost sections like it would almost have to like signify a different. Like this is a different section of the record totally. now if that were to happen. Yeah, I could see it as like a midway thing like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you asked about the pros. The pros. So I looked into this too. Uh, so it's by this dude Nelson Gary, who he asked is like a buddy of his. Yeah. He said. I asked this friend of mine to make up something he could say as fast as he could in 15 minutes about people healing themselves or being unable to heal themselves. While he's saying this thing, there is this main vocal that goes over that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I was just like, is this something that he does in like all of his records, or is this like a spe- thing that's special for this? Yeah, I think that was. I think that's a special thing. Um, I wonder if those like if that poem or that prose rather exists somewhere like. I'm sure if we as its own it, we piece, we could probably find it. Oh, Someone's yeah. Someone's probably isolated that, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's in the lyrics, right? Uh, I don't remember, to be honest. Um, I haven't. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to look it up right now. Well, it's not on this website. <laughs> I'm going to. As I'm like trying to, I'm trying to think about like words and lines from that that are sticking out of my brain, but it's escaping me right now. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is a long one. I don't know if this is all in there. have to email me that one. I will email to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's ever done the... Maybe there's another song or two that has something like that, but... Because it seems pretentious. I mean, it is a pretentious thing. Like, right. let's just say it. You oh, know? yeah. Definitely. Not to say it's disingenuous, but it is a pretentious thing to put on your on your record. Um, this but is, this is sort fits of, in with this, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, it, I think it fits. Um, it almost, like... When I mean, I didn't know that that's what it was the first time I heard it. I thought it was like, it almost sounds kind of like some sort of like old, like a clip of like some like televangelist thing or something like that. I didn't. You know? I thought it was pulling some kind of found footage. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. Because in your presence, let me strive shadows for your tolerance. Sounds like it was recorded in about 15 minutes too. Because the guy's like missing lines. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, I like it. Um, it's certainly. Uh, no, I'm not going to say cooler than. But the only <laughs> other things that stick out, like other things that are sort of of a similar elk that stick out in my mind, are like, do you ever listen to Full Collapse by Thursday? 
Yes, yes, there yes. There is no sunlight. The sunlight is manufactured in a windowless room. Distant and incoherent businessmen hang themselves. Man, oh man, <laughs> I, I don't want to tell you what the what the prose my touchstone like for that is like the first thing that comes to mind. Is that no? That's not on Epitaph. But Thursday is on Epitaph now because I would love to talk about that record. Or, they they were on they Epitaph were. at They're one point. We can anymore, talk about that record yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't want to tell you what my, my touchstone for people talking about pros on that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm actually missing a track here. I'm missing Let's Get Lost, but we're going to just assume it's it's like his cover of Ricky Martin's Let's Get Loud. Yes, that's okay. exactly what that's it is. That's what I figured. So we're going to go straight <laughs> to the uh, only single on this record, which is a pretty ugly, bef- uh, parentheses, ugly before, which apparently he didn't even want on the record. Yeah, I uh, I just heard that recently actually when i was looking at wikipedia today to, yep. hey, <laughs> to get it to prepare i didn't know that it's totally okay to look at that stuff because not everyone has this fucking memorized <laughs> i like this song i'm glad it's on the record i could see like it definitely has a very different feel i remember the first time i listened to this record you know with knowing the limited, having the limited knowledge of Elliot Smith that I did, which was a, a few of his acoustic stuff, mm-hmm. I, I felt like this song felt like a call back to that a little bit, you know? Okay. Still got drums and, you know, keys and whatnot, but it feels like it could have been, you know, an acoustic song that someone wrote and then they put some drums over, you know? Like everything's following the guitar, kind of, the acoustic guitar. Yes. You know, nothing stand out. Nothing's really. It, everything's just following. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and also, let's get loud is by Jennifer Lopez, not Ricky Martin. So don't send in tweets or emails or anything <laughs> like that. All the Ricky Martin fans. Hey, still a <laughs> bunch of them. Um, any other thoughts on this song? Um, I remember. I, I another thing I like about this song is that it is positive for a change. Mm-hmm. for him you know in some ways I think there's something beautiful about that simple lyric like I felt so ugly before I feel pretty you know like that's that's nice to hear from Elliot Smith you know yeah so do you think that's one of the reasons he didn't want it on the record that maybe thematically it didn't align with everything Perhaps. else yeah maybe um I think it I, was it released before the album I feel like I remember reading yes. that. So maybe like he just didn't want to reuse stuff. I don't know, but mm. that could also be it too. And it does feel a lot different musically. You know, there's not, it's not as noisy. It's not as rocking, you know? Sure. It uh, definitely has all that, but it's still got a full sound to yes. it. Yes, uh, that's true. So we're going to go to Don't Go Down. So I think one thing cool noise part so there's a lot of this cool stuff at the beginning of songs on this record like little noise interludes with just random sounds and stuff I feel like that would be one thing that like if Rob Schnapp didn't end up putting the final fingerprint on this I feel like we like I wonder if there's more of that because I know. You think he cut some of that out? Maybe. Or like he minimalized it? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've read in interviews and stuff that Elliot Smith was getting really into 
like noise music at this time and experimenting with pedals and stuff like that. Oh my god, he was just getting in his Brian Wilson phase. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So maybe there was more there that I would like to have heard. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot of, it's very tasteful on this record and it is very additive still, you know, it's not super indulgent or anything, but. There is so much on this record, but none of it really seems superfluous. Yeah. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. I'll give it that. Did they ever come out, like this seems like the type of record that they would come out with like demos, rarities version or things like that, or like stripped down stuff. Did they ever They came out on the internet, like unofficially. Did you hear it? Yes. Uh, I ha- actually had all of them on like an old hard drive that just died. So I don't have the songs anymore. I could probably find them on Mediafire or something if I really looked, but um, there's a lot of really good songs in there. Like Stickman is one of my favorites. So there's different stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of other songs. Are there earlier versions of this songs or like more stripped down versions? Um, I think there is for a few songs. Um, there's there, there's like alternate versions of a few songs, if I remember correctly. Any of them um, like stick out as like, a, oh wow, this is drastically different or... Not that I remember, to be honest. Um, I know, like, stuff that, you know, there's one song called, like, Suicide Machine. Um, that's, like, you know, it seems like, allegedly, the story is the estate didn't want that on the, on the record. I could see the that. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's, like, Stickman, which I really love. Um, I'm trying to think of their other names of the songs. Yeah, if you Google, like, basement demos, you can find them. There's, there's a, a pretty good amount there. Stuff. And a lot of that stuff, or some of it, I think, was actually ended up being released on New Moon, hmm. which was um, another posthumous release that came out um, on Kill Rock Stars. But, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot here, a lot there. So now we're going to get the Strung Out Again, fifth track. I always love the intro of this. No big intro to this. This is pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. right, just stripped down. There's that Beatles guitar tone. There, because I think it's going to resolve, but then it goes up or it goes to like something suspended or a seventh or some kind of Uh like weird chord, you know? Yep, yep. So good at that. It's cool how the lead guitar like uh, accentuates his vocals, you know. Yeah, he like it's not even doing his own needling thing. It's kind of following the vocal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because he does a lot of that, and when he first, like, in his earlier phase, it was like he had one guitar and he was making it sound like three guitars. Oh. You know, like he was playing a bass line with his, you know. Uh, middle finger and then oh he's doing the Robert Johnson thing where he's got yeah and then like the rest of it was following the vocal or something but on here it's interesting because it's like very clearly a lead line you know there's more of that on this record is he playing all of the different string parts on this like guitar parts I would assume probably most of them Uh, I know like on you know on his records he pretty much he played most of the stuff like he played drums on I think he might have worked with some other drummers on this record. This one, it said one of the, dr- the drummer for the Flaming Lips uh, he worked with on this, yeah, or at least yeah, is on some of the recordings. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I know he did. He was a drummer 
Um, I think he's a, actually a really good drummer. Um, very simple, like straightforward stuff, but it totally works. Um, and I think he probably ended up playing most of the, the instruments, at least most of the guitar. Mm -hmm. But so this is like a thing, like you listen to the bass line, like everything's interesting that's happening right now, you know? There's that cool, weird guitar line in the background. There's something about the bass line and that lead guitar line that make this sound like an Eagles song. <laughs> Do you get that? I, you know, I don't really know the Eagles that well, to be honest. I don't know the Eagles that well either, but <laughs> that's what comes to mind. Because you have this, like... Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's noodling around, uh -huh. you know, in a very, like, 70s-type style. And this bass line is like following this rhythm that's like very, that, I don't know, to me it's like very indicative of that age, indic indicative of that age where it's yeah. like, dum, 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 yeah, yeah. Dum, 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 dum. And just like those two together with like these open symbols, uh, I don't know, for some reason that just like, I don't, the Eagles were the first fucking touchstone that came to mind for that. I, I think it was half right. I don't know, there's some quote where like one of the, maybe it wasn't half right. There's another song that he wrote. I don't know if he ended up using it or he ended up giving it to someone else because he was like, uh, it sounds like something like the fucking Eagles would write or something. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a big Eagles fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of a lot of those 70s bands because I don't like a lot of the wanking and going yeah, on forever very wanky. type thing. Also, yeah. I, have a, I have a medium sized list of songs I never need to hear again in my goddamn life, and Hotel California is at yeah, the I top would, of I that list. So, do you know, what do you know about his, uh, like, career or life in Heat Miser? Because I don't actually know that much about them. Yeah. I know them because Jimmy Eat World said them in a song, and then right. I looked them up and I was like, this is pretty cool, but nothing mm -hmm. I would like, like put on myself. So I know that it started um, in college. Elliot and I think the guy's name is like Neil Gust or something like that started it when they were at um, Hampshire College, I think. Um, I want to say that's what it was. And then, you know, they just played a bunch of shows, made a bunch of albums. Um, they got signed to Caroline Records, which the only reason why I know that label is because the Misfits were also on that label, mm. probably after <coughs> the fact. <laughs> um, I think Lyle Preslar from Minor Threat was like an A&R dude for them too, also at one point. One okay. point. Um, I was listening to some podcasts with him or he was talking about them anyway uh so um heat miser got signed to there and um their last album um mike city sons i think it was called was released on that label and at that on that album it's the only one i've really listened to to be honest like their earlier albums i've tried to listen to and it's just like uh, it's like I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. It's kind of loud and it's not very super intricate and it's, it's just kind of not my thing. Okay. Um, did you, did you see heat miser out? This was, I'm, I'm sure after you got into Elliot Smith and then you yeah. were like looking him up or whatever. And you were like, Oh, he was in a band called heat miser. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So like, cause I downloaded a, a couple of songs and the one that I remember really liking was plain clothes man. Um, which is a song that Elliot wrote, and it sounds like it could be an Elliot Smith song. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I, and then I ended up buying uh, Mike City Sons from like Sam Goody or whatever. That's the record with with the plane with on the, the plane front, on the right? cover, yeah, because yeah. because half rights on that, I yeah. Know, yeah. And uh, I remember feeling like that record felt very split, like the songs that were Elliot songs felt like that, and then mm. the ones that were Neil, I think, is the other dude's name. And you weren't so I'm getting that wrong. You weren't so into those songs. I wasn't even really so into Elliot's the whole. Yeah, yeah, like some of them are good. There's some great songs on there, but it just it felt too much like. Um, to opposing forces, like trying to make something cohesive to me. Hmm. Um, and honestly, though, I haven't listened to it since I was probably like in college, like a long time. Oh, so, so definitely maybe, worth a revisit. I might want to revisit it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know too much about um, Heat Miser, and I haven't really taken a super deep dive. A quick tangent, because I usually ask this at the top of the show, but I forgot, uh, and you just brought it up, is so another thing about this show is... Um, like, th- th- like it's for me to kind of discover, like listen to new stuff and like talk yeah. about music and like, you know, rediscover stuff I already know. But one of the things about this was that like I was listening to like an epitaph like station on Spotify and all of a sudden, and I'll, I'll say this on like every goddamn episode because I always have to reset. Like all of a sudden this voodoo, this song came on and I was like, who is this? This is, this is great. And it was a voodoo glow skull song, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I know of them. Yeah. I don't know anything I about them. And I was like, you, oh yeah. shit, they're on epitaph. Yeah. Like I bet you I would like their stuff. And I was like, fuck, like, like this was great because when I was going to buy, and I don't know how, I, I think a lot of this belly uh, navel gazing like nostalgia like mm-hmm. can be kind of whatever, but we're gonna go for it anyway. Is that like I would go into like the good old days? I would go into a fucking record store, and it wasn't like always a cool record store. Sometimes it was a fucking Sam Goody or Coconuts or some big brand <laughs> or an FYE yeah. or the Wall, and I would like go to my section of the store. Or I would go to alternative. Or, you know, at the time, like a lot of like, I was in the pop rap and R&B too. Nice. But I would go to my section, uh, especially once I got more and more into like punk and I would like go to my section, I would see, I would look at the album covers and I would be like, I would be literally be judging them by their cover. Like that looks cool. And I would turn it around and I'd be like, oh, they're on this label. And I know this band's on this label that I like. So I bet you I would like them yep. too. And this is one I couldn't just easily like look up. Let me go hear a song by them first. You know, right. it was a lot of just like, kind of like blindly like shooting in the dark and like trying to find something you dig. Uh, aside from just stuff your friends would like say like, oh, you got to go check this out. And so I loved, and it, it was a good guide. It was a good guide to be like, okay, this band is on this label. I like this band and I like a lot of the other bands on this label. Let me check this out. And totally. a lot of the time it would, I would score pretty big on that. So where did you grow up? What town? I grew up in the Bronx. You grew up in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. What part of the Bronx? Woodlawn. Woodlawn. What was your record store you and your friends would go to? Uh, at that point in my life, it was Sam Goody. Sam Goody. Was there a mall or was there like a standalone? It was in the Cross County Shopping Center, which was about a 15 minute The one bus off ride of the, the off highway? Of 87, yeah. I know that one. So we used, to, we used to get on the Beeline bus, which was a Yonkers bus, mm-hmm. or we would skateboard or rollerblade or up there. How long would it take you to skateboard or rollerblade then? It's probably like 40 minutes or so. There was like a massive hill in the middle that kind of like just was a fucking pain in the ass to get over. Uh, but yeah, so, but by car, it's like, you know, 10 minutes, and super the, close. And there was nothing else closer or that was just yeah, the spot. Yeah, that was it, man. And then like once I, 
was like old enough to where like my parents would let me like I wasn't even allowed to go there. It was like oh, this was like oh, yeah. I'm, at, I'm at Brian's house. Yeah, or like it was I'm like, just oh, like me and Dennis are like skateboarding. Like yeah. that's it. We're playing. T- you know, like I don't know. Golden Crash Iron. Bandicoot. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then we would go to Sam Goody. You know, um, but once I started like going into the city, then we would. Um, my spot was Kim's Mondo Music. Yeah, which one? The one on St. Mark's, Good like that's you. now a karaoke bar, uh, and uh, and the barcade. Is it barcade now? Karaoke bars like upstairs in the barcade. Oh really? Downstairs. Yeah. Oh shit! But that place was so amazing, and there was one other place. Um, I can't remember. Did you go the to Tower? No. The one that was right here. No. Wait, like Tower Records, like Tower Records. Tower yeah, Records? the Tower Records was right here. No, I I remember. No, I never went there. Um, Oh shit! What was the one? It was Search and Destroy. Was like the um, the clothing like, clothing store, but it was like kind of to the like if you're looking at Search and Destroy, it was like right to the left. Like it was upstairs. Stores, it was upstairs. Yeah, that, I think that place just closed. Oh really? I just bought m- me and uh, two of my friends a this like drive-through record sampler that I oh, found there man. that came in like a little pizza box. Dude, that place was awesome. It dude. was. It like just closed. It closed oh. a few weeks ago. That that place was great, and then there was another one, like Trash and Vaudeville. It was like under there. Mm, I don't I don't know what the is name that of the name was. of it. I don't Trash and Vaudeville was there, but that's just like another fucking clothing. Yeah, place. I think it was underneath that. Mm. Um, and I remember going there, and like I had gotten two copies of the Faith uh, Void Discord split for Christmas, and I remember like going there and like trading one of those in and. <laughs> Um, getting uh, in between days by the cure. That's like my last memory I have of that. Uh, but that place was awesome too. I don't know. So anyway, it was it was basically all on St. Mark's. Like, right. It, it was like me but, and my friend would. But come you down to graduated to that, yeah. and where you started off at was that Sam was that the Sam Goody. Yeah, yeah there yeah. was nothing in the Bronx. Like there was nothing that was around you or anything like that. Yeah, unless you wanted to buy like. Salsa records, which like now I would be very interested <laughs> sure. in picking up, but not at that time. Right. <laughs> All right. So getting back into this record, we're going to go into a song you mentioned before that sticks out. It's a fond farewell. Is the bass being put through like a flanger or something? Yeah, like a chorus it's, pedal or something? It's yeah. It's very muddy. Mm-hmm. And it feels like warbly too. You yeah, know? it does. Yeah, this whole record I feel like is just like a wash in like a like they put the Production. whole thing through a chorus pedal yeah. or something, you know, which I love. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying about the bass though. It's it's got this vibration to it that's yeah. not like usually basses are smooth, you know, if if they're gonna be recorded like this. Yeah, this one has some uh, some serious lyrics. I remember this one like just immediately, you know, knowing the little I knew about Elliot Smith at this time that he had killed himself. Like this really stuck out to me. Um, yeah, it almost sounds like it always kind of sounded like me to like, and maybe this is what it's about, but it always kind of felt like he was sort of singing this song to himself, to me. Like, this is not my life, it's a fond farewell to a friend. It's a bit of a downer. 
But I don't know. This is this is a song like you know one of the as a musician now like you know who plays guitar and sings in a band like I pick up on so much more of it now than I did when I was you know kid when I found this stuff musically. Like, yeah, like there's so much more for me to digest. Like I'm like ooh that 12 stringy sounding acoustic is really cool or like because the, the le- organ you know like that's the lyrics themselves are great and. Mm-hmm. It's it's very unassuming in terms of its composition, like musically. Yeah. But there is a lot happening, you know. Yeah. It, it won't, it's it's just layering, really. I mean, it's just texture. Yeah, it's the texture that's giving it that twelve string sound. Because now I'm listening yeah. for it, but it doesn't it doesn't quite have the brightness of no, a twelve string. Because not, not everything yeah. has that. Also, just like the juxtaposition of like this part versus the part we just heard, you know, dropping out all those instruments just to go back to the guitar. Now you start bringing stuff back in. Like, it's very tasteful and super well done. Yeah, this is a this is a good one. Gotta move on though, so I'm gonna go to King's Crossing. Sorry to cut that off, but this is probably my favorite song on the album. King's Crossing. Yeah. I just the piano thing, the piano riff at the beginning just is like so good, amongst everything else in the song. But this is an ambitious beginning too. It's got yeah some some dude talking over the top. This song is just like lush as fuck. <laughs> There's so much happening. Um, but it all feels purposeful and it all feels right. the other thing that's fresh about a lot of this stuff is that like it has all of these really you know long ambitious beginnings which like songs let's say popular songs now just don't have and so it just seems so fresh because like and I guess you can't really compare this to a pop song especially the pop songs of these days but it's just interesting it's interesting to me that I know big labels and I'm sure it trickles on other things because it puts the sound out there, the song will be um, tailored to whatever, is it like 15 second clip that iTunes gives you? Really? You didn't know? Yeah. No, I, I had no idea. I heard this from uh, from Noel Gallagher on uh, You Made It Weird. known to speak his mind. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but you know, he's he's on the inside, certainly. Yeah, he's, absolutely. He said that a lot of pop songs today are tailored so that whatever the 15 second or whatever preview on iTunes is, all of the good stuff is in there. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's how nuts, that affects man. like songwriting now. Huh. 
That's like some. I want to say it was like Will I Am or something. Like, didn't he like make a record the that was like optimized for oh. like iPhone for listening to on your iPad or some stupid shit like that, or your iPhone? Does that just mean is there's just like no dynamic range to it because it's all going to be compressed anyway? <laughs> yeah, it's just all compressed high end. I'm not a fan of that guy. I don't <laughs> I'm know. not a fan of that guy. Yeah, that guy. Uh, <laughs> you know. More power to him for doing for doing. You're it. listening, Will I Am? Yeah. <laughs> hey man, if you're listening, Will I Am? First of all, I get it, William. It's very clever. Second of all, more power to you for for doing what you're doing. I'm sure you're having a great great time, but yep. not my bag not my not my bag of tea. I was yeah. gonna say cup of tea, which was the right thing, but I stuck with bag of tea. I like that. Yeah. So really? now we'll go to uh, Twilight. Oh man, this is another. This is my favorite stretch of the album here. From like King's Crossing, the next couple of songs. Sure. This is yeah. The song is just awesome. I mean, you can see why people really like the acoustic Elliot Smith. You know, when you listen to something like this, which I feel like is sort of the ultimate realization of that form of his songwriting. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, because it happened on his last, on the last album that he ever put out, and it's still primarily, primarily just like an acoustic song. Um, but there's some really nice layering and harmonies. And yeah, and I mean the sentiment of this song, like she's a sight to see, she's good to me, but I'm already somebody's baby. Yeah, like that is something that's not brought up very much, be- but it's like completely universal. Where Absolutely. like you're already with someone, but like you see someone and they strike your eye or they catch mm-hmm. your they catch your eye or something like that, and it's yeah. Yeah, I remember having like a situation like this, like when this song came out. Oh really? Yeah, and I was like, uh, well, not when it came out, but when I heard it, I mm-hmm. was like, oh man. I was like in love with somebody else. Oh, when something resonates like yeah, that, Jesus like, Christ! Oh, because that's <laughs> like that's the thing is like this is this is something that is completely universal. Like I'm sure everyone in the goddamn world that's been in a relationship has experienced this. Mm-hmm. But like, it's still a unique. Uh, it's it's not something that at least I know a, a, that's the subject matter of a lot of songs. You know? Yeah, definitely not. I listen to this. So synthesized, but yeah, it still totally. fits in real well. I, I like the line. It feels right for the aesthetic of the album because I feel like there isn't a lot of supernatural sounding stuff. You know? What time of day do you think he was adding this violin part? To me, this feels like it's like 2.30 in the morning and like I've been working on this song like for so long and like I just get this like, you know, he's sitting there and like, it's like, oh, this just needs like, like what about a string part here? And like just laid it down on, you know, whatever shitty synthesizer Casio thing he had Mm -hmm. and like they just left that and like that's what it is. Be, and it, it's so delicate and like it feels to me like just something that you would write like when you're trying to be quiet at like two in the morning I don't know because I mean it's something that like it's just a it's just a melody line that could be in a piano or it could be 
you know, on a lead guitar part or something like that. But yeah, he uses the the synth strings with it. Also, that's beautiful too. That not to say because he just said beautiful, but that like yeah. I don't even know what that is. I guess that's violin. That's just high. It sounds like staccato violin. But do you listen? Listen to like the top frequency. Does it almost sound like crickets? Yeah, I think it is. You think it's supposed I to be like crickets? I think that's cricket? what it's supposed to be. Because at the end of the song, you can hear it. Just oh, does it just out. fade yeah. out to that? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's at the beginning, but I, I guess think it's twi- at the end. The song's called the Twilight, so it makes sense. Yeah, here, listen. Yeah, now you're getting frog. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. They just like set up the microphone at the bog or the pond. <laughs> Down at the old bog pond. The old bog pond. So this goes into a passing feeling. Uh, uh, there was a lot to that song. One of my favorites. Man, oh man, yeah. So th- this, this track you dig. Yeah. I just love the production on this one. Just when everything comes in, it just. This is one of those ones that feels like the wall of sound to me when everything hits and the drums come in. The instrumentation of this, this is another one that's so indicative of the Beatles. Absolutely. Yeah. That lyric gets me every time. What line? Still I send all the time my request for relief down a dead power line, though I'm beyond belief. What's a dead power line? It's just like you're just... That's like kind of one of those things. It's like I'm reaching out or I'm trying to yes. get better, but like it's a dead power line. Like nothing's going through there, mm. you know? Yeah. Being aware of that. I guess he's equating it to like telephone lines. Yeah. This guitar is just so ripping when it comes in. It's truly uncanny to me how much this reminds me of the Beatles. <laughs> like it, it like what a what a what a weird like like Sonic analog to have to this, you know? Yeah, totally, man. Well, do you know what his influences were? Like who he, he was the into? Beatles. He did. Yeah, he was really into the Beatles. He must uh, have. He been. loved Big Star. What's that? I don't know what Big Star is. Oh, dude, you should listen to Big Star, man. Um, they were. I can't remember when they were. Similar era, I think, to later Beatles stuff. Um, the record. Um, there's like a double album called Number One Record Radio City. Um, he's actually covered a bunch of their songs. I would oh. highly recommend listening to that. Record. All right, big star. Um, but that was another interesting <laughs> thing about that Number One Record group. Radio City. Yeah, I like it. It sounds like a Clash song or a Big Audio Dynamite record. Like that's <laughs> what they would call it. The interesting thing about that band is there was two songwriters, um, Alex Chilton and I can't remember the other dude's that name. That dude sounds familiar. What it's is the name of a replacement song? Oh, maybe, maybe that's, that's why. Is. 
Maybe. Um, but anyway, they, they kind of wrote different types of songs. So, like, it goes back and forth between the two dudes' songs. Right. And you can really hear it kind of like, sort of like Heat Miser, I guess. But I was like, going to say, you didn't like yeah. any Heat Miser, but, but it, it works, works for this. For Big Star, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. So now we're getting into what I think is probably the saddest song on the record, The Last Hour. The Last Hour. But this song's beautiful. It is. The br- So there's something that to me seems contrived in this. It's this line where he says, where no one else gonna give me grief. Yeah. And like that is this very like colloquial, like like a Southern blues thing. Like that's yeah, a Southern blues totally. line. And you know, I'm not, it doesn't ruin anything for me, but it jolts me out of it. Not jolts me, but it, it's a little out of place, you know? Like nothing else, like, has this that kind of uh, vernacular to it? Do yeah. you do you what do you, what are your, do you do you have any idea why he would have said that like that? Do you um, think it was strictly because of the meter and to fit it in there, or because it, 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 it it's a little odd, right? It's a little idiosyncratic to everything else that mm. the way he speaks. Yeah, I never actually I never thought about it that way, but now that you say it, where no one else gonna give me grief? Yeah, like that sounds good in a blues song. It does. Yeah, I mean, I guess. First of all, I guess he's technically Southern because he's from Texas, but I mean, I don't know if Does that... it come... Have you ever seen that come out in his lyrics? Not or? really. Um, I mean, it does make sense lyrically. I think there are a lot of um, songs, especially on EXO, which is two albums before this that are all about like... Like there's one called Everybody Cares, Everybody Understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one about, uh, called I Didn't Understand. Um just going back through his career, a lot of songs about like, it, there seems to be a real vitriol like uh, from coming from him about like other people trying to tell him how to live his life. Okay. Um, and I wonder that lyric to me kind of has that sentiment. It's it like, definitely has that sentiment. It's yeah. just an odd you way for him to put choice. it. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like the way that he said it, it just seems so out of line with everything else. Yeah. You know. Here it comes again. <laughs> this time more like a clown make it over yeah i don't know um just a, just a something i noticed maybe it was just like i got to make this rhyme kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, maybe needed it to fit in the meter yeah you know 
But odd, because he doesn't, doesn't seem to do it with anything else. Alright, this is the fucking jam right here. Yeah, this song rules. You said you wanted to start the record with this. That's what I've read, yeah. But... I mean, imagine if, like... You know, you had just known, like, Elliot Smith's acoustic records, and then you heard this as the first song on this album, you would have been like... What the fuck? This is awesome. <laughs> or you would have just been, as you said, I'm sure some people were just like, just really off put like, yeah, what, is, like, what this? is this? Yeah. You would either, if you were an Elliot Smith fan before, you would either love it or I'm sure you would hate it. It would be very polarizing. Right. I, I think the song's fucking awesome. But as I said before, like subject matter wise and lyrically, this is the most trite song on the record, which Absolutely. is probably why I like it so much, you know? <laughs> It's the the shit lyrics are so easy to understand. It's so clear to get what's going on in hey, the man. story. But it's still, it's just written with, there's such a palpable, like, spite here that it just, this line, I love it. To fuck some trophy boy that you'll win tonight at the bar. Love it. Love it. So, yeah. Oh, man. So bad so far? I get it. Playing off so good so far. Right. You'll make him sad. This almost sounds like Taking Back Sunday lyrics. <laughs> it could be, yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, So Bad So Far is like that line of like, like pseudo clever, you know? So sick, so sick of being tired. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example of it, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it, I mean, it totally is. It's just that kind of drunken, like, anger at. You know, ex-woman who's, you know... Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it seems like the idea, or at least part of this, is like, you know, I think you're great, but a lot of other people think you're great, you know? When it was me, I was momentarily proud, drunk on dreams, now I'm glad I didn't say it out loud. You said you'd be for real, but I don't believe that you are. Yeah. You make me sad, shooting star. Also, the idea of comparing this person to a shooting star, too, I feel like it's just quiet quietly a wonderful metaphor you know it's just like so like everyone out of this person is everyone's into her you know right because it's such a brilliant but short-lived thing yeah well, i also love that line like you don't no one gets on with you for for, for very long because you don't feel bad when you lie I feel like that's sort of telling of uh, who I of this person's character, you know. Yes, absolutely. And like, but this is again something that we've all, for the most part, like known experience. We've all known this gal, you know, yeah. or this dude. I'm sure right. this this cuts both ways. Yes. Um, so we're gonna move on to the uh, McCartneyist song on the record because oh, when McCartney does those pin, Tin Pan Alley songs you know this is exactly like that totally listen to this guitar playing I remember one time in college uh, my roommate Luke like <laughs> we were just like smoking weed in his room and he was like dude I learned this song 
<laughs> and like he started playing it and I was just like what the fuck this is insane like cause it's just like pretty complex like the finger picking of it the finger picking yeah. thing and then actually uh, I'm working on a new No Nets record last weekend I was in Long Island and the dude who's recording my record Greg uh, Greg Gibaldi Burlap Manor Studios um, was just like noodling around on guitar and then like started playing this I was like what? <laughs> dude is insanely talented at guitar but I was just like oh wow this is impressive definitely get the McCartney thing going though that hook no 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 the descending yeah. Yeah. Totally in there. All right. So we got to move on to Little One. 14th song on the record. I remember, like, when I first got this record, this is the only song I didn't like on the album. And really? now I absolutely love it. I love when that happens. Yeah. There's so much shit that I, like, felt so strongly about negatively before. And now I'm so positive about it. It doesn't cut the other way, though. No. I, I never feel t- I never I, I never hate something I loved, which is a good thing. Yeah, no, because there's such positive like yeah. there's always nostalgia yeah, yeah, yeah. to fall back on yeah. in that case. Isn't that a fucking Beatles melody right there? I I can pick it out in the song, but I don't know the name of it. Even the reverse like delay thing kind of sounds like something like when the Beatles were flirting with that on like Revolver and stuff. The reverse guitar stuff, reverse delay guitar right here. The swells. Oh, is that what that is? Hold on, wait, right here. Listen to this. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, I don't think there's any okay so I don't think there's any artistry in that like that's just like a cool sounding thing yeah and also it, it, it's like it's a little out of place in this song like why did you put that in there because yeah. that's not that's not reverse delay that little acoustic part that rang out like that no um that was just like I'm gonna put this in here fucking put it in here yeah like I'm sure yeah. you've like been writing songs and you just keep adding and adding and adding and adding stuff you know right. like oh I'm gonna add this part and this part and it's like alright I'm gonna take four of these things out to me that feels like the like the modest mouse thing to do like a lot of times I mean I love modest mouse sure. a lot of times they'll do that they'll just add like random harmonics or reverse delay stuff and it's just to me it's like Something that the 21st time you listen to it that you hear maybe or something, mm. you know mm-hmm. um, But yeah, it's it's just Stuff Wise in there, yeah. it's stuff, you know, like but it's cool. Yeah, I dig it All right, we're gonna get to the last song which is um, The most properly contemporary emoly named song <laughs> a distorted reality is now a necessity to yeah. be free Pretty sure this song was on like rock against Bush or something like that and I think that's because of the song title alone. And there's one lyric at the end that says, God knows why my country don't give a fuck. Yeah. Otherwise, it is definitely not political. 
Or maybe it is, and I just am not getting it, but... <laughs> OD on Easter afternoon. <laughs> OD on Easter afternoon is just like... I don't know. There's something about name-dropping a holiday that's like... It resonates with everyone, but at the same time, there's something cliche about that. It's like the 6 a.m. day after Christmas type thing. Right. <laughs> so what are your... what are your? I assume you gave this record a listen before you came and did this, mm-hmm. right? And probably even a few listens. Yeah. When was the last time? Do you remember the last time you listened to this record before then? Yes, I do, actually. The last time I listened to this record before today... Um, I listened to it a few times today on my way to work and then uh, twice at work. And you enjoyed them? Every, I love it. To yeah, I can. Uh, this this record is, I think, really everything by Elliot Smith I can just spin in perpetuity. Um, I don't know why, but it just, there's so much there. Um, but I do remember the last time that I listened to this record. Um, it was when I was going to... Um, Guitar Center on 14th Street uh, around Christmas time a couple of years ago, right after I discovered the Menzingers record, actually. Mm. Um, so it was probably like three years ago or four years ago. Um, and I remember like coming out of the train like with my guitars and like listening to a passing feeling. And then like I went into Guitar Center and I dropped off my guitars to get set up. And then like I just was like, you know, I want to listen to this record for a little bit longer. And I just like went into Union Square and just kind of like walked around a little bit into the Union Square Park. Why did you put on this record at that time? I don't know. I, I, I do remember that that time as being, um, that's actually when I wrote, so it was in the span of like a week, uh, like on Christmas break where I talk, took a week off from work. And... Um, I wrote most of the first No Nets album in mm. this time, in that time. And like I found, uh, so the Menzingers, we were talking about bands that we like initially hated that you ended up loving, right? So the first time I heard the uh, On the Impossible Past, I was like, eh, I don't get why this is like, people are losing their shit over this. Brett Gerwitz thinks this is amazing, but I don't get it. You know, it sounds like the Gaslight Anthem, whatever. And then, like, I listened to it again, like, and I just, like, was like, holy fuck, this record is absolutely incredible. I didn't know you had that initial, yeah, like, I dis- didn't like, like it the first time I heard it. For it. Oh. And I think it was because, like, a lot of times when stuff is so critically acclaimed, I feel like I c- go into it with these expectations that it's oh, that's rough. Be the yeah, most yeah, 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 yeah. Thing. Expectations and, like, are the worst. Like, Absolute Punk was, like, raving about it. Punk News was raving about it. Everyone was raving about it, you know? And so I went in and, like, I remember reading something that Brett Gerwitz wrote about why he signed the Menzingers. And he's like, these guys are amazing songwriters, blah, blah, blah. And I listened to it and I was like, hey. <laughs> and then like, I heard it again, like, and I was like, holy fuck. And it was honestly like a bit of a musical awakening for me because like, I hadn't heard like um, a punk band that was doing anything that interesting in a long time, mm-hmm. long time. like. That record is fucking amazing. Yeah, like, man. You know, Absolutely. we can talk about that, but incredible record. And, and we I should. Just, we'll add that to the list of things <laughs> you can come on for. I listened to that like for like just 
days, the only thing I listened to. <laughs> and, and I was starting to write music and, um, you know, I took this week off from work with the intention of writing music. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the first thing that uh, I got into the Menzingers record and I was listening to that and then I started writing some songs and there's a couple of songs on that first No Nets album that are heavily influenced by that. Menzingers I didn't record. know that. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and, uh, and then like I wrote this one song, which, uh, sickness in wilderness, which is the first song yes. on, uh, that album uh-huh. and the ending of it, I was doing this dual tremolo guitar part. There's two guitars tremoloing, and I was like, "That sounds like something that could have been on from a basement from the hill." Oh. Like maybe I should listen to that album again. And that was the first time I'd listened to it in a while. So that's what triggered it yeah. is because you had made this thing that reminded you of this. That's yeah. fucking cool. And then when I you're making producing something and it's like, oh, maybe this is where I got it from. Yeah. This sounds like this thing that I love. That's awesome. Yeah, and oh. then I just. Like, from then, I just had this, like, I just really got, it was another awakening of Elliot Smith for me, and I just really got really big into his records, and um, when I was working with uh, Greg, the guy who's work, who I'm working with my new record on, right. um, I was like, how can we make this sound more like figure eight? How can we, you know, <laughs> um, it doesn't really sound that much like Elliot Smith, but it's, that was in my brain when I was sure. listening to it. Um, so, yeah, but that, that Menzingers record also was... Uh, <laughs> Fucking awesome. What a funny two things to be listening yeah. to at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, but what, so, what about you? Like, th- so you never really listened to uh, this record before. No. So go, coming out, how many times have you listened to it roughly? And like, this record? Yeah. And now that you're that you've done that, like, do you feel differently about Elliot Smith? Four. Listen to okay. this four times. I, I don't feel differently about my taste for him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just as intrigued as I as I was before. I don't, yeah. you know, because I and I never really did it enough to like like him or dislike him. He's always just been he's been this thing right. that is this thing I wish I could get, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it remains that. And there are songs on here that I will go back and listen to more closely, you know, and I'll look at the lyrics more closely, and I will remember those lyrics as individual lines that I like, and that will make me like the song. So I don't think I'll ever put on the, this record to listen to in its entirety because I still like putting on records to listen to in their entirety. Yep. I don't think I I'll know. ever put that on, but I will go to specific songs. I'm sure on this record, like I will, I will go back to like Shooting Star and probably the last the last hour. That'll be a rough time if yeah. I decide to go back to that. <laughs> but like I'll go back to some of these songs because I like those lines. Yeah. <clears throat> So most of it will be for his lyrics and his writing, mm. not so much for the instrumentation. Not to say that I dislike it. I think it's I think it's terrific and I appreciate it for what it is, but it's not really my bag of, of shit that like when I'm like want to put stuff on, like that's what I go for. If I wanted this sound, I would probably I like I would probably just listen to the Beatles, you know. Yeah. If if I, for some reason like I want this sonic sound, I'll go for that. Mm. But I'd buy that. Right, but I, I'm glad that I, I listened to this and I'm glad I gave it the critical ear because there are two or three songs on here that I will I will assimilate into like my repertoire of like 
shit that I will want to like put on on my own. You know, right, the whole right. record, unfortunately, isn't going to be like that. I don't think it's going to be like that for any Elliott Smith record. You know, and then yeah. you know, sorry to anyone who, out there who loves Elliott Smith. No offense. You know, you have a terrific taste in music. I have a very shitty taste in music. But like, you know, That's like a bit harsh. Uh, but you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm very conscious and aware of the stuff I'm into. It's very sugar coated in terms of stuff like that. But um, yeah, there's certain things on here that really caught my eye, and like his writing is definitely something that I will latch onto and look at more, you know, especially when I, if I if and when I decide to look at like EXO again or or uh, was it Figure Eight or the other stuff, yeah. you know, all of that more. I'll look at that more specifically because that's the stuff that really caught my eye and like grasped me as like this is something remarkable mm-hmm. or to me it is remarkable and to me this is like something that I find that like this is great and I want to revisit this stuff so that's sort of my outlook on it um, yeah I don't uh, do any final thoughts on this record for you man aside from that it's great and if go you're listen listening to, it again. to this podcast and you haven't <laughs> listened to this record you really should um, it's, it's a great record um I don't know what else to say. If you could change anything about this record, what would it be? I would just love to hear the the original record. That no, 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 no. Smith, uh, you in you, the way it exists. In the way it exists right now. If you could change anything about it, what would it be? And this doesn't have to be objectively for what you think would be a better musically. What would you do subjectively? So this is a selfish thing. What okay. would you do to change it? A song I, or anything. The only thing I would do, the only thing I would change about this record is removing Ostrich and Chirping, which is not actually an <coughs> Elliott Smith song. Oh, I actually, I didn't even play that, but I have that at the top here. Yeah, Ostriches and Chirping. You would take that out? Yeah, it was it was something that uh, the original producer of the record just like happened to record on one of Elliott's reels. It's only 34 seconds. Yeah, and I... it. It just always felt to me like something that didn't belong on the record, and that was before I knew that it wasn't something that Elliot wrote. I remember listening to it, and I was always like, what the fuck is this? This makes no sense. Even though there is an ostrich on the back of the CD, on the back of the digipack, there is an ostrich-like illustration, which at the time I was really into, like... um, ink drawing and I remember like scratching like doing like a cross hatch like <laughs> ostrich because it was a cool illustration uh, completely unnecessary and also not an Elliott Smith song that is literally though I mean this album is like in terms of production in terms of songwriting in terms of sequencing I know it wasn't the album that he wanted to make but I still think it's a perfect album I would love to hear that initial app that you know what he wanted mm-hmm. um, but I still think it's just perfect record really yeah i'm into it man there's been stuff that i didn't get while listening to it converge is one that comes to mind where like i get it but just oh, not dude. fucking never revisit it i but i feel the same way about converge. i want to like it man i really do it would make me seem like such a cool fucking guy to like converge <laughs> but you know i've only i've only gotten into one record that we, we did one on the show jane doe no uh a different one and i can't recall it right now um Ah, oh, shit. What's the one with... Uh, you Fail Me? Maybe? Yes. Yeah, you that one's me. good, too. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff about it I dug, but, like, the thing I got about it, like, I'm, I'm taking away from, like, hardcore is that it's truly a soundscape, you know? The, like, that's, it, it's a soundscape. Yeah. And and that's what it is. It is, it is like, um, ambient music, but aggressive ambient yeah. music. Like, the vocals... That's a great way to put no it. No one knows, like, 
you can look into what the lyrics are, but you're not going to be able to, to discern them. It's yeah. not important because it is more important what the vocal, what the aggressiveness of the vocals add to everything. Right. Else. It's a fucking aggressive soundscape. Nothing to take away from it, but that's what it is to me. And yeah. you know, like maybe I'll be in that mood once or once in a while or something like that. But uh, I've got other stuff to get into for that. And I, I think I like more melodic music more. Yeah. Like that, and I guess that's why I like melodic hardcore, which I'm sure a lot of hardcore fans would say that's not fucking hardcore, you know? Yeah, but like, who cares? It's fucking great. Sometimes, who? when it's good, it's really good. But I, I feel the same way about Converge. Like, uh, a lot of my friends are like super into Converge, and like, there's a couple of songs that I just absolutely love, you know? And then there's, a, as a whole, I, I, I do associate them as like a soundscape band. Like, they are the most brutal sounding band in the world, mm. in my opinion. But, um, and I love a lot of bands that they inspired, but uh, yeah, anyway. It's not, it's not my bag. So we've, we've been talking about Elliot Smith and other things for almost two hours. Two hours? Yeah, dude. We're in an hour God. 45 right now. Really? Yeah, man. Holy shit. Uh, so we're going to close this out. Yeah, we should close it. But uh, <laughs> what do you want to plug, man? Um, well, uh, the only things I have really to plug are... Um, obviously my music um what is it no nets it's called no nets um, where can you find you it? can listen to it at soundcloud.com slash no nets music also if you just search no nets on spotify or already actually audio is not around anymore uh spotify itunes whatever uh it's all there um if you if you had to give one or one song for people to like to, if you had to like say check out my this one song and like if you're into it, check out everything else. Because you know a whole record can right. be cumbersome. It's cumbersome. Like, yeah. What's what's and it doesn't have to be most indicative, but like uh, what do you think? What what would you say is like the one song? At least check this out for me. Um I would say something from the record I'm working on now, which isn't available. Oh my <laughs> god. Dude. Um, but uh but if you had to listen to something from the last record, which is called Affable and Ready for Small Talk, which I am still very proud of. It's a great record. Um, I would ch thank you. I would check out either Rocks You Could Throw or California Weather. Those are probably the two on that album that I think are really good. I would say California Record of the two of those. Not to say that Rocks You Can Throw is not a bad is a bad song, but if I would, my vote goes to California Weather for the two of nice. those guys. So go check out fucking California Weather thank from you. No Nets. Uh, Sal, man, this has been freaking great. Uh, I'd love to have you on for more records if you want to come on yes. and chat about this stuff. Uh, as we've we've name dropped a whole bunch that we could do. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely got into a few yeah, here because there's a lot of records yeah. I got to cover. Uh, man, I was I I used to end these podcasts by saying "fuck you," but I realized it's not a good thing to do. And then I thought of a great sign off, and then I forgot it, which uh, is not like me because I'm good at writing can stuff. Can you ADR down. that later? Oh man, I don't want to. I don't want to do any ADR stuff. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big editor in terms of conversational stuff. But uh, I will just say, oh man, guys, uh, in your own lives, if you're listening to this, guys and gals, uh, appreciate what you can and cut out all of the ostriches and chirping superfluous <laughs> fat from your lives and get into what's really real with all that stuff. Maybe that'll be how I end every goddamn podcast, That's bringing good. up ostriches and chirping. But uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, guys, for listening to this. And uh, yeah, keep it, keep it real. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. Hey, guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. 
We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!